Hey y'all, welcome back to the show. It really is a wild and crazy life and I hope you are living it to the fullest. All right, before we get into today's episode, let's take just a moment to drop in Find that center and just rebalance everything going on in the day. If you're driving, I would definitely encourage you to maybe breathe with us, but don't close your eyes. But otherwise, if you are somewhere safe, I invite you now to close those eyes. Take a deep cleansing breath and connect with whatever part of your body is calling to you right now. Maybe it's your heart, maybe it's the solar plexus, maybe it's your feet, your fingers, whatever feels good for you, put your attention there. And then together we're going to take three slow breaths in through the nose and out through the mouth. And feel free to make sound on that exhale if it is helpful for you. All right, here we go. and exhale beautiful inhale exhale last one breathe in and breathe out all right let's go to the show All right, all right, all right. Welcome back to the podcast. My gosh, have y'all ever heard the story about Matthew McConaughey and how he got that role in Dazed and Confused? It was his first role ever. And he had been in law school. And while he was in law school, he was like, I really don't want to be a lawyer. I really want to be an actor. But he didn't want to disappoint his dad, who had wanted him to go to law school. So I might be butchering some of the details, but essentially one day he went to his dad and was like, listen, dad, um, I'm going to quit law school. I want to be an actor. I'm going to do this. And his dad was like, well, don't half-ass it. You know, like that was his dad's advice, even though he was changing from what he, his dad had wanted him to do. His dad was like, well, if you're going to do it, go all in and and don't half-ass it. So that night, uh, Matthew McConaughey was just so excited uh, about you know, the kind of the permission from his dad and, and the like, go get him son that he had gotten. And so he went out with a friend of his and they were at a bar, I believe in Dallas, if I'm remembering the story correctly, they were at a bar and somebody walked up to him and was like, hey, you know, what do you do? And he said, I'm an actor, um, just kind of threw it out there just for fun. And I can't remember if the person who asked him that was a was a talent scout, or if, um the talent scout overheard, but regardless, um, he got connected in that moment to a scout who was doing, um, who was casting extras for what we now know was dazed and confused. And so, um, Matthew McConaughey was like, absolutely, I'm going to do that. So he showed up and was just going to be an extra with a non-speaking role. And then, you know, one thing happens after another and he gets like one line 
And it was that, I believe it was that all right, all right, all right line. And so he delivers it with such like panache that they essentially write him into the movie based on just that. So I probably butchered some of those details, like I said, but the crux of that story is still true. I think that's such an amazing example of what happens when we just embody what we're going to do. Like, we, yes, I am a fill in the blank for you. What Whatever it is that you want in life. Yes, I am a writer. Yes, I am a, um, I don't know, movie star. <laughs> whatever it is that you want to do in life. Um, yes, you are that. And then watch how the universe just falls in line for you. So anyway, um, that just kind of came to mind as I hit record and started off with all right, all right, all right. So y'all are welcome for that little extra story. And again, welcome to this wild and crazy life. I'm so honored that you are joining me again this week. I have, as always, an amazing guest. I'm excited to introduce her in just a moment. Before I do that, don't forget, we are in the middle of the practicum portion of my breathwork certification. I have free hours of breathwork to give away. We can do a 30-minute session where you can kind of get adjusted to breathwork. You can learn a little bit more about what it is. Um, Or even if you know what it is, um, integrative sessions are really good just as a you know, calming or even it can actually also help you get like pumped up for something. So whatever you've got going on, 30-minute session is great. I also have 60-minute meditative sessions if you have a little bit more experience in breath work or if you don't, but you're willing to dive in and just go all in for it, um, then sign up for that 60-minute meditative session. And I would love, love, love to breathe with each and every one of you. So that link will be in the show notes. It's also, of course, over on my Instagram. So book, 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 because I am filling up and this offer will not be here forever. So oh, I'm so excited about all of it. And today, speaking of breathwork, I have my friend Jen Coles. She is a breathwork facilitator in Utah. We actually connected. um, She finished up the facilitator course a little bit before I did, um, either the session before or the session before that. And she's been building her breathwork business there in Utah um, for the last year or so. And her story is so amazing. Um, Jen has multiple sclerosis and for many, many years, she just let that define her reality. And then she decided she hit bottom one day. You're going to hear this whole story, but she hit bottom one day and she realized that she needed to really connect with herself, really connect with her body and get herself as healthy as she possibly could, as healthy as was in reach for her. And I think you're going to discover it the results that she had far, far exceeded what she even thought was possible. So this is such an inspiring story. Um, Jen is such an inspiring um, person to talk to, breathwork facilitator. I highly encourage you to check her out over on Instagram. Um, And without further ado, welcome to Jen Coles. All right, Jen. Hi, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to chat with you today. Hi, I'm happy to be here. All right. So I came across you. I'm not even sure you must have popped up an Instagram because I was following so many people from pause breathwork as I got into the certification. 
Um, and the first thing I noticed about you is that you talked so much about healing your multiple sclerosis, or I know it's not healing, but um, helping your multiple, multiple sclerosis through breath work. So I'm really excited to get into kind of those topics with you. But first, tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? Where, do you, where are you from? Where do you live now? What's like the best um, thing in your life today? Let's see. So I live currently live in Utah and it's really ugly and cold outside. Kind of depressing. Oh, yes. <laughs> but we're making it. We're getting through the winter. Um, I um, have two kiddos, two teenagers that I'm raising. I'm a single mom and I am just, um, my passion is just helping people. I found my passion with breath work and helping people. I'm staying busy at building my business. Um, so that's keeping me really busy lately. Good. I know. I'm, I see you all over Instagram, always busy. So that's great. Yeah. yeah. What did you do before you found breathwork? I um, worked for other people, different jobs, different clerical works. Um, I worked in a doctor's office for like five years, but then COVID kind of shut it down. So, and then I was kind of without a job and I found breathwork. I tried breathwork and I said, I have to learn this. Yeah. And then when I went fully all into my breathwork business and it started taking off, I was just really surprised. People love it. Yeah. Yes. So tell me a little bit about that journey. So you're working for the doctor's office, COVID kind of put the kibosh on that. When did you, how did you discover breathwork? Um, well, this goes, um, way back. I actually discovered breathwork along my healing journey. Um, so I have multiple sclerosis. Yep. Um, I've had it for 13 years now. And, um, so I was really sick. I was really suicidal. I was very depressed. And, um, this was a while ago, years ago, I woke up and I said, Oh, I can't do this anymore. This is, I can't do this life anymore. I got to figure something out different. I was a single mom of two. And so I tried different healing modalities that I still use today and a lot of these different practices. And then I also, um, along the way, tried breath work and I just, for the benefits in myself and for the benefits I see in other people, it's just a practice that I do all the time to help, you know, um, so I can feel my best. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you decided, was it, so it was during COVID you decided you need to get certified and actually build a business doing your own facilitation. Yes. So I went through the pause program. Um, it was during, was it during, yeah, it was during COVID. Uh -huh. Yeah. And it's a long program. I think it's like seven months. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. Six, yeah. seven months. Mm-hmm and then got certified. And then when I graduated, I still didn't go all in um, because I wasn't sure how to make a business out of it. But then when I decided, okay, I'm just gonna trust the universe yeah. <laughs> and go all in. Um, like I said, it got, I've been so busy, I would say the past year with it. That's amazing. Um, mm -hmm. Do you find that you do a lot locally, a lot more virtually, a mix of both? A mix of both. I do. Um, so I am in Utah and I do a lot of workshops. I host about four a month in person and those always fill up. 
And then I do virtual one-on-one coaching, virtual um, group coaching. And then I do just to give a people, uh, people an idea of what breath work is and to try it. I offer a free one every month where I only breathe people for 20 minutes, but that's plenty of time to get the benefits of it. Yeah. And so that's after a free class and those ones, you know, I get around 30 to 60 people depending. So, and they get to try breath work and see what it's all about. Yeah. That's amazing. Do you find that you have uh, repeat people, especially like online with the coaching part of it? Do you kind of mix in breath work and coaching or is it all breath work? I just do all breath work for now. Um, and yes, I get the same people a lot. I get a lot of new ones, but I have a lot of, um, I call them breath work groupies. <laughs> they love it. They love it. They just keep coming back because the benefits are just so amazing. Yeah. I myself love, I need someone to guide me. And so I'm always looking, you know, on Google for someone to guide me to find a class in my area because I love the benefits every time I do it for myself. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Even though I can turn on a playlist and do my own, just the benefit of being guided, it's a different and wonderful experience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So let's back up a little bit and go back to that multiple sclerosis diagnosis. I can't remember if I had shared this with you. I don't think so. Um, But when my twins were born, we spent about two years, the doctors thought I had multiple sclerosis. And it was one of those, um, they were they were like convinced and we just couldn't prove it yet. Um, so I went through all of those horrible tests that they put you through to diagnose it multiple times. Um, ended up, I did not have multiple sclerosis and I have theories on what it was, yeah. what was causing mine. But I learned a lot about multiple sclerosis during those two years where they assumed I had it and we just didn't know, we couldn't prove it yet. Yeah. Um, So tell me about your own journey with that. Like, how did that start? How did you get diagnosed? Okay. What was going on there? Okay. So I usually go back way back to the beginning of what I think was the initial like trigger for my MS. And, um, I grew up in a very um, toxic environment, very toxic mom. Mm. And um, looking back, I can see now that she was in so much of her own pain that she did not know how to show up as a mother for me. Um, But it was very toxic, lots of fighting, lots of stress, lots of anxiety. That house was just so chaotic. Yeah. So I was always in um, fight or flight mode my whole life growing up. And that is what kept me safe, you know? And I went from that very toxic environment to a very abusive marriage, because when you are so, I feel like when you are in an abusive relationship already, you tend to go to another one. (laughs) Yeah. You don't know different. It's unsafe to try anything else. It feels, yeah. Even though, you know, this isn't healthy, this isn't good. I don't like this it feels like at home for your nervous system to be in that toxic environment. And so I went to an abusive marriage and it was really abusive in all the ways you can think of. And, um, um, I started drinking a lot just to kind of numb out during that time. And, um, 
when I was 25 years old, I woke up one morning and the whole left side of my body was completely numb from my face all the way down to my foot. And I thought I had a stroke. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely terrifying, really numb. And, you know, um, I remember trying to fold my kid's laundry. He was just a little baby and I would have to take my arm and just swing it over, like help myself. And then I would remember holding his bottles and they would just kind of fall because you're so weak. Yeah. Yep. And I would have to hold them in my right arm. Are you left-handed uh, normally? No, I'm right-handed, but we, I have a baby. I hold them in my left hip. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I would have to hold them in my right hip because I was so weak on that side and we didn't have insurance. So we didn't go to the doctor. And now I'm looking back and I'm like, that was a mistake, but it happened like it was supposed to. And, um, I was in the middle of already wanting to leave him already making the plan to get out of there. And, um, I had finally moved out. I went back to my parents' house because I had nowhere to go. So back into another toxic environment. And then, um, I finally, it it was probably a few months. I finally went to the doctor they, they did all the tests. They did the MRI. Um, I have, they found a lot of lesions on my brain. Um, they did the spinal tap found those O bands. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. and then they did the, um, in office test, mm-hmm. you know, the walking test and everything. And, and it took them, it took a minute to diagnose me because I guess with MS, there's just so many tests and it could be so similar to other diseases. Um, so it took a minute and they diagnosed me. And like I said, I was 25 and I'm 38 now. And um, I was like, no, that that's, that's for old people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And when you, for anyone who's been diagnosed with a disease, when you're told you have something like this, it just really changes you. It's, it's, I felt very alone because I didn't have a lot of support. I was scared out of my mind and I was in complete denial and I did not accept this disease for seven years. And that's where my suffering happened. That's where, um, I really, my health went really downhill fast. Mm. Yeah. Bad. Oh man, we, uh, other than the end result, a lot of what you just said is very similar for me. It was my right side. Um, and I couldn't even hold a, a pen, which was a big identity for me. Cause I was a writer and I, I didn't have the strength to pick up a pen and same. I had babies. I had to full clothes. I had to feed. I, you know, yeah. all of those things I would, <laughs> I would, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced this cause I know how fatigue is with MS, but I would get up take care of the, take care of the babies, the toddlers. And then I would lay at the kitchen table and fall asleep so that I could be sort of technically an adult in the room while the two-year-olds are playing right how safe could that have been um and then I would wake up to feed them and then and I I couldn't do otherwise like that was literally the fact that I could even get out of bed was a miracle (laughs) so I know you've had days like that Oh, the fatigue was probably the worst part and to be honest up until probably this last year my fatigue's been fine but the fatigue is 
awful. Yeah. I didn't understand the word fatigue until I went through that. Yeah. <laughs> like I was just like, oh, fatigue just means really tired. No, no. Fatigue is like walking through a wall with a hundred pounds of weight on you and everybody pulling you back to you. <laughs> like that's what fatigue is. It's so hard. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so you took about seven years of like, screw all this. I'm not giving into this. Like, did you try anything to help you with it? Or did you just try to pretend it wasn't there at all? No. So in those seven years, you know, um, I moved out of my parents because it got really bad again and um, took my two kids and I was in the divorce process and moved into an apartment and I um, just was in such denial and I didn't have any tools growing up and how to get through anything stressful, no tools. Yeah. I had no idea how to manage anything. So I was just working with what I have and what, what I had wasn't the best. I didn't take care of my health. I continued to drink, which drinking's already not good for you. But definitely if you have an autoimmune disease, you know, it causes a lot of inflammation in the body. And so I was just getting sicker and sicker. And I just blamed everything on having MS. Mm -hmm. And I was um, just acting like a girl in my 20s and not taking care of my health at all. And being very neglectful of it and not mindful of it. And just, I was in a very much of a victim mindset, like this shouldn't be happening to me, which I do believe when you get diagnosed with something, you need that time to grieve what just is happening, but you got to pull yourself out of that victim mindset in order to start the healing. And like I said, it took seven years for me to get out of that because I, was dating men who, again, were not good for me, bless my heart, <laughs> <laughs> who caused a lot of stress in my life. And um, stress is a huge trigger for a disease like MS. Yeah. So um, during uh, those seven years, it was towards the end, I had two really bad relapses. And um, the last one, put me in a wheelchair. It mm -hmm. took, I started getting lesions on my spine and my legs just gave out completely. I could not walk. I, um, it, I was completely numb from the hips down and I thought, well, you know, I'm so alone. I don't have family. I divorced hard. Um, I don't want to be here anymore. And I was so depressed and suicidal. And when I went home from the hospital, the doctors, they sent me home with um, 60 sleeping pills. And I was so checked out of this life. And I was just done. And I wrote a letter. I wrote a letter to my kids. I don't even remember what I said. Um, you know, kind of just like a goodbye letter. So I was, I was just, I had a plan. I wanted out. And I took those 60 pills that night and in hopes of just being done. And I woke up the next morning, like nothing had happened. Wow. I, mean, I didn't even fall in that deep of a sleep. And I, I remember looking at the pills. I'm like, what are these? I wish I remember what they were called. Yeah. <laughs> but that morning was the moment I turned my life around. 
said, okay, I guess I'm supposed to be here. Tired of suffering though. So that morning I said to myself, I'm going to do whatever it takes to feel better. Yeah. I remember waking up and just writing pages of gratitude, grateful for my bed, grateful for the sun, grateful for the air, you know, grateful for everything, just pages it's because I was in such a denial, like everything was so negative to me. I was in such a negative mindset. And so um, I got into gratitude and I, I said, what can I do differently? I um, checked myself into rehab so that I can help get, um, get help to quit drinking. And I, um, so I quit drinking and, um, just started doing little things. Um, my legs were still super weak. I'm still using a cane and a, or a walker at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, uh, so I just started making little tiny goals for myself. So I'm going to go to the gym, go to the gym. I was a big gym person too. So when that was taken away from me, that really hurt. Mm -hmm. out. So I said, I'm going to go to the gym. I can't do much, but I'm going to go three times a week, 15 minutes a day. And I would get there and I'm just wobbling around, like holding myself from machine to machine because I can't walk. You know, people are looking at me wondering what's wrong with me. And I'm feeling super insecure, but I'm there anyway. And I'm lifting the lightest amount which it was heavy for me at the time doing what I could and just slowly over time my time increased at the gym my days per week increased my strength increased and this took just this took a long time yeah and I was really focused on weightlifting because I wanted the strength back in my legs that I lost and so um that was a huge change that I made along with my diet. My diet diet is really, really big for any sort of sickness or disease that you have. And there's lots of foods that have inflammation and cause inflammation more. And so, you know, I had to figure out what my body liked, what it didn't like. And just, it was just these little things consistently over a long time where I started feeling better. I started, you know, having less anxiety. My, I was able to walk again further without getting too fatigued, you know, and it just, it took a long time for me to heal all the damage that I did to my body. And, um, today with just these consistent things that I do all the time, I don't even notice I have it. Mm. I have no symptoms. Um, I live my life how I want to, and I'm really looking back on how far I've come. I'm really surprised because I was, I hit rock bottom and it took me hitting rock bottom for me to pull myself out of that. And I did it alone and it was hard, but I did it because I have two little kids that I wanted them to know that I didn't give up. Yeah. Oh, Wow. I've got chills. What an amazing story. I took 60 pills and I barely even slept. Like, isn't, that's, isn't, that, isn't that crazy? I look, I'm like 60 pills. Wow. Like yeah. to be able to wake up the next morning, like nothing. I was like, okay, I'm hearing you. <laughs> yeah. Clearly you are here for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as I was listening to you, I was thinking oddly, what a gift 
something like MS or any other autoimmune diseases, because the truth is all those foods that inflame and bother autoimmune diseases actually inflame us all the time. It's just if you're healthy, you don't notice it as your body's not as sensitive, so you it builds up before you notice it. And then suddenly you have type two diabetes or osteoarthritis or, you know, like whatever we now consider old people diseases. Um, but these autoimmune diseases that I think our generation is kind of the first generation and they, they like to make fun of us and say that we were big wusses, but really our bodies were just sensitive to the things that um, we were putting in them. And thank goodness, <laughs> because yeah, that was, I, I learned, to getting off gluten was one of like the big things I kept hearing in the MS like chat boards back then. <laughs> I didn't even have gluten free options in the grocery stores back then. Yeah. Um, but getting off of that cleared up my symptoms over a year. Um, and I've never relapsed, but I can tell. And for a long time, I could tell if I ate gluten, my hand would go numb again. Yeah. So I would just stop eating it. But then I reached a point where that didn't happen. And so I was like, oh, okay, I can eat gluten again, except the cycle continues. You build it back up and then suddenly I have similar autoimmune issues and I'm like, okay, okay, fine. I get the point. Don't eat gluten. <laughs> right. And I never thought about food being a trigger for health ever my whole life. Like yeah. my parents ate really bad fried foods. They ate out a lot, you know, not healthy at all the furthest from it. Yes. And so that's what I grew up eating, but I never related food and health or and diseases or anything like that until you get diagnosed. Until you get diagnosed with something. Yep. I know it took me seven years, but it it makes you look at things differently. Yeah. Makes I started questioning things like that, like food and diet and like how do I get better? How do I get better more naturally? And buying books on how to help myself naturally. And just th these little things like changing your diet and figuring things out. It is kind of hard to change your diet, you know, when you're especially when you have kids and you've got to cook for them too. Mine yeah. didn't know what gluten tasted like until we got divorced and they would have it at their dad's house. <laughs> yes. And so you just, you have to figure out what works for you and what irritates you. See, what's interesting is, um, gluten. I know it's a lot of people are gluten-free, but it doesn't bother me, which is, oh, it doesn't aggravate my symptoms at all. Um, so, and I'm sure if I went completely gluten-free, I'd feel even better. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But if you don't need to, you don't need to, <laughs> yeah. but it's, it doesn't bother me, but it, um, causes in more inflammation for you. So it's just different, but it's just, I think it's trial and error for what your body is. Yeah. So I just don't eat processed food. So like I was eating fast food a lot. I don't do that anymore. And I could tell a huge difference. I drink only water. Um, you know, just try to eat more natural, more organic foods, more fish, especially for those omegas, less red meat and all these things just, um, they make you feel better. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're suddenly like, wait, I feel so good all the time. <laughs> yeah. And then you're fatigued. You don't have as much fatigue. And so it's just figuring it out. And I think especially this last year, um, I've been doing a lot more things for my health. So I feel like that's why I'm not as tired as I was before. I mean, I was a zombie mm -hmm. and they had me on Adderall and then, you know, Adderall to wake up in the disease, Xanax to sleep at night, all these medications. And I'm, um, right now I'm just on an infusion right now 
once uh, or twice a year, sorry, but they had me on so many other medications and I'm hoping just over time with even better habits, I can get off that, um, medication because it's, it's gnarly, the side effects, but it's also scary to make a decision like that alone. So yeah, <laughs> right now it works for me. And there's, there's just a, there's just a balance on what the doctors tell you to do because a lot of the stuff they've told me to do, I have not done and I feel better. <laughs> yeah. And that's also another thing. There is a place and for medication, there's a place for, you know, doctors and everything. And there's also a place where you get to figure out what's best for you. Yeah. And so, and that's still something I'm learning. Yeah. There's a a place for your own sovereignty. And Mm -hmm. I learned that early in my twenties with the, with the twins pregnancy, they were pumping me full of so many things that they already came early. I was on bed rest for five months. They pumped me full of so many drugs and I finally said no to the last thing that they were trying to do. And he was like, well, if your babies come early, it's on you. It was like all this shame and guilt. They, yeah. It was 33 weeks. Their brother was born um, as a single at 35 weeks. So to me, we had succeeded. <laughs> like we got, yeah. we got far. It was fine. And they are fine. They're, they're big and tall and they're all taller than me now. And, you know, they were totally fine. But I was 25 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't alone. And yet my husband at the time was certainly not about to like force it. Like he wasn't going to make, I had to make the decision for myself. Um, I had, I had, I did have his support, whatever I said, but it it was mine. Um, And that is scary to be 25 in an environment where everyone acts like they're an expert and to say, thanks, but no thanks to your opinion. Oh, it's so scary. And I remember the doctor saying, you need to take this or you will be in a wheelchair and I'm 25. And I remember when seven years later, when I was in a wheelchair and she basically was like, told you, but, um, that's just like, I don't, that's not how you go about it. Like I was terrified and also doing so many things against my health that put me in that wheelchair, not just the medication, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. After I said no to that medication and the twins came about 12 hours, maybe 24 hours later, um, several nurses came into the room and they said, we heard what you did and you did the right thing. And I was like, thank you. Thank you to those nurses. If you happen to be hearing this (laughs) 15 years later for letting me know that, uh, you know, because I had no certainty for sure. I was afraid my babies were going to be just terribly in, in Ill, Ill health and they weren't, thankfully. Well, good for you. That's a great story. Uh, <laughs> a happy ending. <laughs> yes, yes. They are they are more than fine. They're both endurance runners and totally fine. So yeah. um, so as you're going through the MS, especially the healing process, and I've talked about this with um, I know you know Megan Walker. Um, I had a great episode. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes, but she and I had a great episode about her healing her eating disorder through breath work and awareness. Um, And one thing we talked about is she had a not, not quite as dramatic, but a similar moment of like, what the hell am I doing? Um, Where she was also taking Adderall and and drinking a bottle of wine at night, you know, like those things. Uh Um, And she was like, I just thought one night, this is stupid. 
And then I woke up the next day and I took the Adderall. She was like, that was the start, but it wasn't the end. And there was like a whole, sometimes I slid back and sometimes, so tell me, I'm kind of getting at, my question is, tell me a little bit about that journey for you. Cause you had that like crisis moment, but then, you know, it's, it's a process after that. Yes. I mean, so my last relapse was six years ago, six. Yeah. And during this, this six years, because I, it has been up and down, it has not been picture perfect. Like I decided, Oh, I'm just going to change my life. I, you know, for how depressed I was and all the medications I was on, it has been such a journey and so much healing and so much is taking place and healing is, it is not pretty. It is messy. It is ugly. It's it's loud. It's sad. (laughs) It's, it and it's it's not just linear you know it's this yes yes and i would i would slip back into depressions and then i'd have to remind myself okay how this i've come so far i'd have to remind myself how far i've come and how low i was and i still do to this day i still um i feel like i get seasonal depression mm-hmm. a little bit yeah and it will i'll be really hard on myself. And, um, it just puts me in a dark spot and I have to just remember how far I've come. You know, you're an amazing mother. You weren't able to show up for your kids before because you had no tools on how to do this. And, you know, your kids love you. You have a great relationship with them. And so it is, it was not messy or it was not just clean straight. I'm going to be, I'm ready to go. It was, back and forth. I don't know what I'm doing up and down. Lots of tears, lots of therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then, uh, yeah, I think a lot of times we hear those stories and in our heads, we think, and nothing was ever the same again, you know, like we all lived happily ever after. Uh Um, but I, I have learned in reality, those stories are like, it's the, it might be the catalyst, but then there are so many days where you, eat the cookie or maybe not in in recovery, you don't drink the glass of wine, but you know, sometimes you do, sometimes you drink the glass of wine and you reset the days. Yeah. Or, um, I don't go to the gym a lot or there's days I miss because I'm just too tired, even though I know I need to get there because it's good for my health, but I just kind of listen to my body and I just, you know, if I need to sleep that day, I'll sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of so I have built business over the last 10 years and I have always gone that way of like the I mean especially once I when I was going through the divorce and had all the anxiety like I really learned to listen to my body during that time because it was like if I need to sleep later than the alarm clock I'm sleeping later than the alarm clock I'm not letting that dictate what I need to do if I need to go for a walk instead of work. I'm going to go for a walk instead of work, like those kinds of things. And I feel like in the last year or two, I'm starting to see more and more women build business the way, like that way, with that intuition that like, I'm going to do it the way I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to listen to the guru who tells me to go 24 seven, because that's the only way to succeed. Yeah, no, that's what I've been doing too. And it's been working out better for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, because when you show up, you're able to be fully present. You're not divided. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. 
Yeah, that's good. So tell me a little bit about building the business. What was, what do you feel like has been kind of the key to feeling like you had a successful year the last year? Um, so just how busy I've been just, <laughs> just getting my name out there. It's interesting when I first started, I'm like, I don't know how to build a business out of this. I don't really know what I'm doing. And, um, my boyfriend at the time was like, well, just do some events, get your name out there a little bit. And I mean, I had like five people come to my events and that was great. I was so happy, right? If I even sold one ticket, um, cause I didn't have a lot of followers on Instagram and I had no idea what I was doing. And then I started just doing more events and someone would see me at the event and be like, they would find me through there. Every time I do an event, do you do this? Do you do a private event? So I'd say yes. And then I'd go there and I'd meet someone else. And then I'd say yes. And then I'd go there and meet someone else. And I'd say yes. And it's just this last year, I've been just so busy with uh, retreats, workshops. Yeah. One-on-one, just from word of mouth only. And I've been so incredibly grateful and thankful because it's putting food on the table for my kids. But it's... um it's just validating that where I was like, I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. It's like coming coming together. It's coming together slow, but it's coming together and word of mouth is getting more out there. And I'm finding that people love breath work. They they love it. Yeah. And like I said, I love it. So they come back. Like I said, I have regulars. They come back and they just um, keep me busy and, so it, I love that I went through that course and I'm able to offer this here in Utah. It's really changed my life um, for the better in so many ways and something that I love doing. And so it brings so, so much more value when you love doing it. Yes. Yes. Oh, I think as you were talking, I remembered how I discovered you. Um, you did an event with Sean Whalen, right? Yeah, yes. with his wife. Uh-huh. Yes, that's how I discovered you. I came across that event and I was like, oh, she looks cool. And then, you know, discovered all of our connections. Yeah, um, yeah that was a fun one. That's something else. You might be able to speak to this. I don't know if you think about this the way I do, but I come from a very, even though I've always worked intuitively myself, I come from very um, high energy, go, 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 type A hustle and grind type of mentalities. And um, I, I found Sean through some other people that were also they're They're very like that, like very in your face, very masculine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I saw that they were even having breath work at that event, I was like, oh, this is freaking cool. And then I was connected. I was already signed up for the certification program, but I had a little bit of like you know, is it going to be, I, because I'm a little bit type A and a little bit into like, I have a weird mix of them. I've always been a little uncomfortable in both settings. I'm finding that I've landed in the right place and I'm not the only one like that. Um, but as I watched you, cause there were some videos from that event, I was kind of like, oh, this is how it can be where yes, it is fierce and intuitive. It can be both. Yeah. Yes. Uh huh. And when, when it's that it was actually Saxony that reached out to me to do it, I was like, 
oh yay I'm like so happy uh, and it's interesting because like a week before she reached out to me I just had this feeling I was like who can I do some breath work for like big coaching groups and Sean Whalen came to mind and then a week later his wife reached out to me but I was just that group was really fun it was the women's group yeah and they all had such a beautiful experience and um it was a large group and I just I still actually breathe a lot of the people in there they still come to me they come to my events so that was that group was really fun yeah yeah that's that's beautiful I work in the real estate space and so we're working on and the, the group I coach with we're working on bringing more breath work to our agents and our brokers um, because we can all be very like, okay, but how do I do da 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 da? And yeah. my answer is always like, mm, let's slow down and breathe first, yes. <laughs> and yeah. then and then we'll discuss the strategy. It comes back to the breath, and people get a lot of clarity, and it's good for people in business to do breath work to remove any blocks they're having yeah. and to get some clarity on things that they're doing. And people in business who do breath work a lot, I hear amazing stories about how much it's helped their business yeah. just from breath work because of how powerful breath work is. So. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, 15, 20, maybe longer, I don't know, years ago, the advice, and the advice is still actually still holds true. I just don't agree with it anymore, but it was like, read all these books you know, it was always how to win friends and influence people. It was always a Tony Robbins book. And then it was like, read anything by anybody that's ever had success ever, you know? Um, and that's lovely because you can learn some, you can gain some insights that you wouldn't have otherwise. But what I found is that at a point you're just saturated with knowledge. And really what you need is to get into your own body to figure out which knowledge you're going to follow. Breathwork is like an amazing way to do that. Yes, I agree. And get into action and like you can read all the books, do all the things, but there comes a point where you actually have to get into action, try mm -hmm. it, do something about it. And like you said, get into your body, get into, tap into your intuition, go in with an intention of what you're wanting and breath, that breath work just brings it right up to you. Yeah. Yes. That clarity right to the surface. <laughs> yes. And it brings along all these other things you were pretending weren't there, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you got to clear out all that to yeah. make room for the good stuff, clear yeah. out all trauma, everything in there. And that's what breathwork's done for my MS. You know, I use it for, to remove trauma from my childhood. I mean, there's, there's lots in there. There's lots of sessions I needed, <laughs> Yeah, but clearing that out and it's good for the, it's good for inflammation. So yeah. good for stress and anxiety, which are all things that are good for autoimmune diseases. So, and so it's helped my MS tremendously. Yeah. Do you find that you focus or that you attract other people who are also struggling with autoimmune or is it kind of a, a mix? Once I put my story out there, which, because I was in denial for so long and then after, up until I put my story out in June, I had this, it was just so weird. I had this like shame still and or this embarrassment of having this disease because, um, and this goes back to my childhood trauma where like 
I wasn't praised for anything I did ever as a kid. So I just felt like I had to hide this disease because it wasn't my fault. And I didn't want to tell anyone. I didn't want anyone to judge me. I didn't want anyone to feel sorry for me. So I would not tell my story. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And once I did, my um, boyfriend at the time convinced me just to tell your story. And I was like, okay, once I hit post, I cannot tell you the anxiety. My heart was racing. And like, I was so scared to put myself out there and to be that vulnerable. And I've had so many people, um, a lot with MS that have found me because of it and that I have been able to breathe and um, a lot with autoimmune diseases and saying, thank you for telling my story. And so I'm like, okay, my mess is my message. My mess is my message. Yes. Well, and I, I'm seeing this get better too over the years, but for sure, you know, in our, both of us in our mid twenties, I'm only a couple years older than you. So I know I felt like I couldn't let whatever was going on with me affect anybody else around me because it wasn't, um, it wasn't like, I had a bad car accident and had some visible thing I was healing from. It wasn't like I had cancer where they knew, I just knew something was wrong with my body. And that's literally all we ever knew. We still don't have a name for whatever happened to me. So the idea of like acknowledging that I needed to not live life at the same level as everybody else was at the time, like I I couldn't, I couldn't find words to it, which was very isolating. And I know for some, for somebody who has MS over years and years, they're probably the only person they know with MS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't know anybody, no one in my area, nobody online. Cause I didn't talk about it. So I didn't know anybody with it. And actually I did hear stories, but people, the stories people told me like, Oh, my mom had MS and she died. I'm like, yeah, it's not something you really say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, thank you. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I would get things like that. And I was like, okay, I don't want to talk about it. Like that's not putting me in a good space. Um, and it's honestly one reason I avoided these online chat groups is because there was so much negativity in it. And I feel like that made me sicker. Yeah. I, um, once I accepted my disease, once I fully accepted it, I fully accept it. Um, that's when I started feeling better. That's when everything turned around for me. So, but yes, I felt very alone and, you know, I'd be afraid to tell people that I date that I had it. Cause I thought they would stop dating me. Yeah. It was just, it was, there was a lot that didn't make sense in my head, but it's the stories I was telling myself. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh, but all of that, of course it sounds trite. If you say this is someone in the middle, but on the other side, you know, all of that is going to serve so many women, so many people, but probably so many women who do feel isolated and alone and don't know different. And, you know, you're going to be able to really show up for them. Yes. And actually I am creating a course. It's in the works, a course for people with, um, um, chronic illnesses like me, because I was so alone. I didn't have support. I felt so alone, which is why I spiraled out which is why I used coping skills that were not good for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm creating this course to go over everything in depth of what helped me and to create a community for people with these auto or these um, chronic illnesses where they can talk about it and they're not alone and that they, there is, there is um, support, there is help. And 
to give people just kind of some hope. Yeah. You know? It's beautiful. And, um, I know people now that have a mess and who are in wheelchairs and they are doing all the things right. And they, you know, wondering why are they still in a wheelchair? And I don't, I don't know. I don't have the answers for that. I don't, I don't know. Um, I do know that what I'm doing has been working for me though. And I'm going to keep doing that, keep sticking to it, keep finding answers for myself because I want to continue on this path of feeling good and walking and showing up for my kids while I still can. Yeah. And I'm not worried about, I haven't thought about being sick or worried about the what if in so long. I used to only think about that. Yeah. If I'm in a wheelchair, what if I can't walk? And I was so worried about the future. I wasn't living in the moment. So now I'm, I'm just living in the moment and grateful. I talk to my legs all the time. I thank them. (laughs) (laughs) I thank them for walking. I thank them for walking. You know, when I'm working out, I'm like, thank you for being strong. I know that sounds silly, but I talk to them. Like my, I'm working with my body instead of against it now. Yes. No, it's not silly at all. It's the kind of gratitude that you can't really experience unless you have lost something for a while, you know, and then you understand, oh yes, no, thank you for they literally carrying me. <laughs> yeah, no, I do. I say thank you. And I used to I put a picture up on my on my wall when I was in really bad shape and trying just starting out to get better. Someone said, put a picture when you were feeling your best. And thank your thank talk to that picture every day. Talk to your legs every day, and so that's what I did, mm. along with the gratitude, you know. And so, just over time, I started feeling better, and I'm so grateful. Ugh. Yeah, just so grateful. When I talk about it, I just am so beyond grateful that I'm doing so much better. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I was in such a bad, dark place. Oh, well, I am so grateful that you got through it and you're here and doing all the things you're doing in the world. Um, We're kind of at the start of 2023. I feel like it's already flying by, frankly, but um, what are, what are some visions you have for the year? What are you hoping to end the year at with having done? Um, My course, I want to get that going. Um, because it does incorporate a lot of breath work. Um, I want to create some breath work tracks, um, finish my, my website. It's almost done. It's in the, it's in the works, but it's getting there. So just keep working on my business. I find when I'm keeping myself busy, I don't really have time when it does, when I do kind of slip back into the sad moments I have. So keep myself busy, kind of um, keeps me from going there. Yeah. (laughs) Especially in the winter. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, I get that with the winter. Um, we're not as cold as Utah, but it can be very gray here and it's like, (laughs) where are you guys at? We're in Nashville, Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. We've had a warm snap, which is, um, it's it's kind of common for early January. It's been warm and sunny, but it it will come back. It always does. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) um all right so I have two final questions for you the first one is if someone is listening to this and they are maybe at the start or feeling lost in the middle of a chronic or autoimmune 
illness. What's kind of like your very first piece of advice for somebody or first thing you would say to somebody who came to you with that in that situation? Acceptance. Yeah. Accept it. Accept where you're at. Um, that'll change everything. And that's what changed for me. Um, then once you do that, find your why. You know, my, my kids are my why. They keep me going. Find your why and surround yourself with good people. Mm-hmm. Good people. And do the small things. The small things consistently every day. Those small things matter the most. And that's what pulled me out of it and put me on the right track. That's but accept- cool. acceptance is probably... Have you accepted it yet? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's so... So true. It, it's almost cliche at this point, what you resist persists. And yet when you really understand the truth of that, it's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then lastly, where can people find you? If they want to connect with you and do some breathing and follow along, where can they find you? So on Instagram, just on Instagram right now until my website's done under that breathwork girl or that underscore breathwork underscore girl. Yep. Or Jen Coles. And then, um, I have a link tree on there with all my coaching one-on-one and stuff and a link for my breath hour, which is my free monthly one to try it for 20 minutes. Um, and then my website, I'll link that to my Instagram when it's done. But right now, Instagram, I respond to my DMs really quick. Um, and I'm very active on there. So yeah, feel free to reach out if anyone needs to ask me questions. I love when people with MS especially reach out to me and are able to get a little bit of relief in how they're feeling. No. Yeah. Beautiful. And I'll make sure that's linked in the show notes as well. So people can follow along. Jen, thank you so much for spending time with me this afternoon. It has been such a great conversation. Thank you for having me. And there you have it. Thank you, Jen, for joining me. This was such an amazing chat that we had. Um, If you liked this episode, feel free to share it around with your friends, get more people um, listening to this incredible story of Jen's. And also, of course, if you love the podcast, head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Um, make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss an episode. And also, like, rate, review, all the things that you do. Um, Like I've said before, it really helps the show get discovered and helps us in the algorithm. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week. And until then, have an amazing day.